0: but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to BFTExpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you.
1: Hello, one and all. This is Alan with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today, Peter Barrett. CTO and co-founder of Playground Go- Global. How are you doing, Peter?
2: Good. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, thank you for coming in. Uh, so let's get to it. We'll start with the toughest question. Uh, tell us about Playground Global. What do you guys do?
2: Well, so Playground Gro- Global is a, uh unusual venture firm in that we have a little over $800 million under management, but we have a staff of 50 domain experts in all classes of engineering, so industrial design, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, software, machine learning, optics, uh, basically anything you need to build um, a modern hardware or software technology company. And we work with our portfolio to build their organizations and, and their products. And they live with us in a facility here in Palo Alto where we have... 80,000 square feet of infrastructure and tools that also help them uh, build out their, their tools and technologies. And they live with us for 12 to 18 months. So it's a, it's a very collaborative, very hands-on approach to venture capital.
1: Ah, okay, and, and I was uh, just briefly looking through your website, and it seems that you guys have a pretty kind of, um, kind of an open pitch process. Or, or, or just tell us a little bit about the pitch process.
2: Well, that we find companies um, through the networks of uh, of the founders, of the venture capital team, of the entrepreneurs who've um, who've joined uh, joined us. We've made investments in. We also find companies through people who we haven't invested in, who've who've met us. And um, you know, there are any number of places uh, in this part of the world for connecting to people who are building interesting interesting companies and interesting products.
1: Ah okay very very interesting and uh and I know that you guys have uh you just had a recent development concerning well I'll just say a recent development concerning robots uh, I I'll, I'll I'll let you I'll let you talk about it I know it was some news with you guys just last week uh concerning that
2: Sure so we are uh you know because we do invest in a lot of hardware and software technologies uh, we have a deep interest in the applications of robotics, and recognize that you know there are new opportunities for robotics as they become more and more perceptive, more and more capable, and more and more intelligent. Uh, and we've made nine investments in robotics companies uh, in in recent months. Um, we are also thinking about the kinds of platforms required to make those robots more capable and broaden the application for robotics uh, above the traditional applications. And so we've been uh, investing some time and thought in what a platform for um, building those robotics companies looks like. Um, you know, We have some experience in building platforms for, um, say, cell phones. Uh, and you can imagine the robotics world looks a lot like Um, you know the the cell phone world did in 2005. So we are taking an interest in figuring out how do you have common tools and infrastructure that our nine portfolio companies can use uh, to build more and more capable robots and then how to use that platform more broadly uh, to create new kinds of applications and industries for robotics.
1: Ah, Okay and and I know you mentioned that uh, you know traditionally uh, or at least i know for me traditionally when you think about robotics the first thing you think of is usually manufacturing medical applications that kind of thing but uh, i'm sure i'm sure there's more i'm sure the field is much wider than that especially now right
2: yeah it really comes down to what your definition of a what a robot is um I, you know arguably a dishwasher is a robot a camera is a robot anything that can sense the world and anything that can actuate to do some useful work could fall into that category um you know we tend to think in popular culture of robotics as you know sentient two-legged Boston Dynamics robots um and you know i think that's a that's a very anthropomorphic and very narrow view of what a robot is uh we also tend to think of robots in terms of uh physical systems and mechatronics more than intelligence and perception um and so you know, the the classic industrial robot today is enormously capable and very accurate, but dumb as a bag of nails. Um, you know, a lot of the robots we see in in articles about the threat of AI actually don't have any AI in them at all and are just two or force achievements in controls, but really aren't very clever. Um, so I think we have to broaden uh, our definition of what a robot is and also recognize that uh they are going to collaborate in ways that um, we humans or animals can't and we need to provide the infrastructure in order to let them um, do what they're really really good at which will be sharing knowledge um, and learnings uh, across heterogeneous hardware and and that allows them to do things they currently aren't doing today and that we aren't physically capable of as humans
1: so if we so if on a wide scale if we were to really get a full understanding of really what robots are and what they aren't, that would probably go a long way to diffusing all that, you know, the conspiracy theorists to every time there's an advance, they want to say that we're heading toward the Terminator or something, or we're heading toward Skynet or something. Uh, Right. I mean, you usually hear somebody always saying that. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think that, I think when you have a mental picture of what Skynet is, it looks more like a laptop than it does a Boston Dynamics robot. Um, and and I think that there is enormous potential for um, you know for creating wealth and for um, you know providing things that we are struggling get to get today with new kinds of robotic systems which have simple hardware and very sophisticated intelligence behind them, but not a you know not a, a AGI general intelligence, but an intelligence that allows a robot to pick a lettuce. And understand that you know the lettuce is um, uh, ready to pick and is not um, damaged by insects and is you know and is firm and that is a very complex task for a robot to do. It requires a lot of physical dexterity. It requires sensing that um, is is. Sophisticated and sort of beyond state-of-the-art for current robots, but in a world where we don't have enough people to pick our food um, Then you know having robots which have that higher uh, higher sensory capability um, Is going to be necessary for for doing a bunch of those applications where there simply aren't enough human beings to do the work Um, so there are already lots of intelligences where robots are better than us at certain things. You know, a pocket calculator does square roots better than I can do in my head. Um, you know, there are certain, obviously there are AIs that are better at Go or chess than any human player, but there are awful lot of intelligences around. And, um, you know, there is, there is going to be a very long period of, um, robots creating new opportunities for humans and creating wealth for humans, um, where there is nothing like a threat, uh, and that we should be all in on taking full advantage of that modern technology in that period.
1: Yeah, so, so these, so these are just inevitable advances, just like any other. Like that said, just like any other machines that make our lives a little easier or make us a little more efficient at what we're doing.
2: Yeah. No, I think that there are, you know, there, there's always a risk of. New technologies um, you know di- disrupting the status quo, um, but I think that the advantage the, the advantages that robotics affords um civilization far outweigh the risks
1: ah right and and in terms of uh the near term future of this industry uh, I guess one big question I had is is which developments do you think are more realistic in the near term versus the ones that are just so ambitious that they're unlikely to happen?
2: Well, I think we've all been, um, you know, very interested in and amazed by the uh, huge success in perception for uh, machine learning and its application in robotics. You know, the ability for neural networks to um, start to open up possibilities for autonomous vehicles uh, and to have these machines be able to perceive the world in what appears to be very human ways. Uh, and I think that's made people very excited and very optimistic about the advent of you know, level five autonomous vehicles. Um, I actually think we are um, maybe a little bit optimistic about how long it's actually going to take to fill out the rest of the stack, which requires planning. And it requires a lot of human priors to understand how to really drive an autonomous vehicle. And I think that's going to take um, I think that's going to take a lot longer than people suspect. So I think some things are that seem almost impossible will happen quickly, and some things that we think are very straightforward will take an awfully long time to get to scale. And you only need to experience trying to get on the Holland Tunnel in Russia to realize <laughs> that until we solve the problem of eye contact or selectively you're making sure that we don't make eye contact and translate <laughs> that into some into some level five autonomy system, it's gonna be really hard for these vehicles to act the way humans do um, in places where you really require a lot of human context in order to operate in a, in a transparent way. Um, you know, I'm very excited about opportunities in things like precision agriculture, where the environment where the robot is operating is very much about the rows of vegetables that are organized in a very structured way and the kinds of decisions the robot have to make are very you know they, they they can be entirely driven by perception and not um these high order human planning uh, planning tasks so you know there'll be things that you know, we always you know the flying cars is the is is always a common example of why don't we have them and there are lots of good physics reasons why um, they're not super practical. I think that there are many things we are talking about today that pe- some people expect will be around the corner, which will be literally decades away, even though it seems to almost work today. And then I think there will be a class of things where people think are virtually impossible um, that can happen happen quite quickly. And it really comes down to how good we are at matching our you know our understanding about how how minds work and how animals work with the way that robots actually operate and think Um, and i think that there's some some really interesting and really counterintuitive ideas about um, the advantages robots have over us in the way they think and can share knowledge um, that's going to make some really improbable sounding applications happen quickly
1: oh wow so there's so there's definitely a blind spot there in terms of what we as humans uh, some of the things that we as humans take for granted like you said Uh, just simple things like eye contact and being able to make those quick judgments during just in the course of driving or other certain tasks that we just kind of like I said we just kind of take it for granted that oh we should be able to get a robot to do this or be able to program a machine to do that Um, but uh, I I guess uh, I guess moving forward one of my next questions would be if if I'm actually uh, wanting to be involved with the company and go through the pitching process what I guess what kind of time frame would I be looking at once I fill out the initial application? Well so generally we don't
2: you know that the, everybody is welcome to contact us through that um, uh, through the Playground website um, you know generally the, the 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 process of engagement comes um, you know more directly with with an entrepreneur reaching out to us or one of the venture team or somebody in the organization and you know, we have met entrepreneurs when they are, you know, a, a partnership of two people. We've met entrepreneurs when they have a company of 100. And we made investments anywhere from, you know, a, a quarter of a million to, to $20 million into those into those organizations. Um, so, I you know, I, I'm not sure that we've, uh, I'm not sure how many companies we've actually met through the website, we've interviewed about you know, I think it's about a thousand companies that have actually physically come into the building and pitches on on what we're building, um, on what they're building. So, you know, al- al- although that that avenue is open, um, I think generally it's a, it's a more traditional engagement from um, entrepreneurs when they're ready to raise money to reaching out directly to us.
1: And I, and I know that uh, Playground Global has a has a design studio. Is that actually on site at the Palo Alto offices or is that an off site location that gets used or
2: Yeah so we have a eighty thousand square foot facility here in Palo Alto and that includes you know the engineers and um, you know program management and industrial design and mechanical engineering and all of those folks are physically in the building here in Palo Alto. So um, sometimes we collaborate very directly with a with a company and and build actually work as virtual employees in 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 those um, portfolio companies to build hardware software to you know design products um, and sometimes it's much more an advisory role around architecture around recruiting um, and that um, you know there are obviously periods of in in development of a company there are periods of maximum pressure where an organization will need the maximum amount of help and that by having yeah, you know, I think we have ten companies in the building today. Uh, we can amortize those, or we can we can distribute those resources across the companies to meet their periods of of maximum need.
1: Ah, okay. And and um, as far as Playground Global itself, how, where do you see Playground Global going in the next few years? What's what's you guys' roadmap?
2: Well, we like investing in in technologies which are uh, consequential when they succeed. Um, that are um, you know that are very challenging technically, uh, and that we line companies that are you know build uh, complementary value. So, for example, having the nine robotics companies in the portfolio building platforms to allow them to focus their capital on. Their unique value, rather than building and rebuilding underlying infrastructure, that that builds a broad portfolio where the companies really amplify each other because they can share that common that common resource. Uh, we're very interested in um, post Moore's law computing. Uh, we're very interested in what happens in optical and quantum computing because we think that unlocks uh, not only big companies but entire industries. Um, so we're pushing towards that um, those larger, harder very difficult to succeed technical companies uh, to to do things that um, may take many years and a large amount of capital, but are consequential when they succeed.
1: Ah, uh, I understand. And as far as, as far as uh, playground as far as Playground Global, uh, I guess now you're the CTO and co-founder. How did you come How did you come to found the company, or is this an outgrowth of having been with another venture fund?
2: Well, so the four founders of Playground, myself, Andy Rubin, Matt Hershenson, and uh, Bruce Leake, we've all known each other for decades. Um, You know, I met Bruce in the 80s when we were working on QuickTime uh, and met Andy uh, at a startup we did called um, WebTV. Bruce and I were the first investors in Danger, which was Matt and Andy's uh, company that built the Sidekick, which really kicked off the the modern cell phone um, world. The modern smartphone world. Um, So we've all worked for each other, we've all invested in each other's companies, and that we've all been engineers for, um, you know, for for many, many years and recognized it was an opportunity to give something back. We've all raised venture capital, we've all been on the other side of the table, and Playground is really building the place that we wished existed when we were entrepreneurs. So, uh, and, and that technical depth and that technical background, which is reflected not just in the founders, but in the in the studio team, um, gives entrepreneurs who are trying to do something with a real technical barrier a leg up and allows small companies to punch well above their weight, because somebody in this group of people who ship literally billions of devices know how to solve that problem that they are facing. Um, and that we can greatly amplify our capital by having these guys who are, you know, who've who've done it over and over again. There is a resource to help make the entrepreneur successful.
1: Okay, so it would be fair to say that if I have that one problem that I know how to solve and I know how to solve it in the best way possible and I come to you guys and I get involved, then a lot of those blind spot areas that I have in terms of actually running my business, I'd be able to get assistance with that. Even though I know how to do my one big thing.
2: Yeah. So any any successful company, you have to have the core vision and the core, you know, the 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 mission, and you have you need to have people who will um, do everything in their power to 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 make that happen. But there's a hundred other things that can kill the company if you if you get it wrong. If you screw up the security, or if you make if you if you stumble with manufacturing, or you know, if the the really prosaic stuff, the, the the common problems that everybody has, all of those can either waste a bunch of money, waste a bunch of time, and can kill the company dead. We allow entrepreneurs to concentrate on making new mistakes, not reliving old ones. Um, and so, having that resource um, can really make the capital much more efficient, can get people to market quicker, and can basically stop them making silly mistakes.
1: So it can so it can seriously help in in cutting that learning curve. Like you said, the common mistakes that every business would have, you know, kind yeah. of uh, kind of cutting that out. Okay. Yep.
2: And the, and those and that expertise is deeply deeply technical, right? If you if you want to make a lens or an antenna or you know fabricate um, an exotic uh, piece of material or or try and get a prototype of something that is almost certainly impossible to manufacture there are people in the building who've done that the people in the building who've who've built ais who've launched rockets who've made complex um, consumer devices and shipped billions of them who've built operating systems who've built scale network infrastructure um, who've hired teams who've raised capital there you know all of those folks are here you can have lunch with them and they can come and get on a whiteboard and talk you through you know what the challenges uh, or what the figures of merit are around whatever you're doing
1: right and and, and you brought up something that, that I, re- I remember reading in my material that I definitely had to ask about uh, They actually uh, manufacture. I think uh, I think someone made did someone manufacture a rocket using a 3D printer? Is that what it was in in the studio?
2: that's correct. So we've recently made an investment in a company called Relativity, um, who are literally printing orbital rockets. Um, And um, from the motors to the tanks, and they've built a very very sophisticated, very very large robotic uh, 3D printer for printing orbital vehicles.
1: Yes, I, I definitely would have kicked myself if I hadn't asked you about that. That's not something you can read and say, uh, "Oh, I'll just skip over that." <laughs> so, um, so yes, thank you for thank you for clearing that up. Um, yeah, we're we're excited about that one. Oh, I'll, I'll I'll bet. Like I said, it's it's just it's just very very cool. It has to be one of the cooler aspects of the job there to have someone actually doing that on site. Um, okay, and let me just ask you if so. Let's say I'm I'm in the audience. I'm you know, you have a, a bunch of entrepreneurs who feel like they're in—they're just in the right space. They're—they're they're ripe. They're ready to to get with an organization like Playground. Uh, and we've already mentioned this before, but I want to talk about it just one more time. What's the absolute? What's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Well,
2: so you know, there is there there is email on the website that does get to the deal, deal team. Um, but you know, I think one of the uh, one of the figures of merit of an entrepreneur is um, is knowing how to get in touch with um, uh, with the right with the right team, and I'm I'm sure that if you have the tenacity and the focus to be creating something great, um, they'll know how to get to us.
1: <laughs> I love I love that answer. <laughs> so, um, so again, I just wanted to thank you, Peter, for coming on the podcast. And I, we, you know, we appreciate your time and your wisdom. You know, we feel like we've learned a lot here.
2: No, this is fun. i um, delighted to be on.
1: All right. Well, uh, again, like I said, thanks. And we'll talk to you later.
0: Great. Cheers. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018. The Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're gonna be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're gonna be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, From the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now, they don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast. post to review